This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m., or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m., or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. Okay, now I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to talk about this morning. Why? That sounds like a very good topic, so maybe we'll stick with why. You know, but think about this for just a moment. Why? Why do bad things happen to good people? Y'all heard that statement before? Let me ask you, have have you ever asked God, why? You know? So what we want to do is discuss that just a little bit uh, this morning. But let me just read you something I came across um, from C.S. Lewis. And C.S. Lewis, he, uh, he likened, you know, God's use of adversity to walking a dog. If the dog gets its leash wrapped around a pole and tries to continue running forward, he'll only tighten the leash more. Has your dog ever got wrapped around a chair or a pole or a tree or something or another? Now, you know, that dog... Miraculously, it just turned off. <laughs> that dog and you really want to go in that direction. But because he's all wrapped up there, you're pulling this away, the opposite direction that he wants to go. But you know this is what you have to do in order to get him going that direction again. Is that right? And how much like that is, you know, is God and us? Because we get, we get wrapped up in stuff sometimes. We get tangled up. And God is pulling us. I don't want to go that way, God. I don't want to go that way. But he's trying to untangle us. You know, and, and you can see the parallel there of the adversity that comes in our life. Well, why are you doing this, God? I want to go this way. And God's going, yeah, I can't go that way until you go this way first. Get untangled there, you know. Anyhow, it tells us in, uh, thank you, Jose, uh, in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 9, It says, for just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. God says, you don't think the way I do. I want you to succeed more than you want you to succeed. But you don't understand what I'm up to. I'm trying to untangle you, you know, and I'm pulling you this away, and adversity in our life, and it's, ah, you know, why, you know? And and oftentimes, this God's untangled untangling us, you know. But we need to understand something for this all to click and make sense. We need to understand the fall. We live in a fallen world, a sinful and a fallen world. And God created Adam and he created Eve and he gave them a garden, fantastic garden to live in because he wanted to have a relationship with them. And he came down there in the garden and hung out with them and got to know them. They got to know him. He loved that interaction with them. And then Eve and Adam, they sinned and they fell from that right, close, intimate relationship with Almighty God. And it says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned. All have gone the wrong way. They've got tangled up up there. They've all sinned. They've all uh, fall short of God's glorious standard. Now see, Sin has passed upon every man, every woman, every boy and girl. And this may help you understand a little bit better, but once a child is conceived, there's sin in their life. Because sin is a disease. And and this disease called sin, when Adam and Eve sinned, sin entered their bloodstream. And when they had children, the moment their children were conceived, they had this disease. It wasn't that they'd done anything wrong. But they had this disease that was passed on from mama and daddy, and it's passed on in the blood. And see, and then that's why we understand. Now, when Jesus came on the scene, you know, you remember when the angel came to Mary and said, you're going to have a child, you know? And she said, I don't, I don't know, I haven't had an intimate relationship with a man. How can this be? The Holy Spirit overshadowed her. A miraculous thing took place. She conceived a child. But it had not a husband who had sinful blood flowing through his veins because the the baby's blood originates and is generated from the daddy. And so Jesus was the only person ever 
born on this planet who was not sinful, did not have sinful blood flowing through his veins, so he was the only one who could be the sacrifice, and he could die in our place. <laughs> I hear jingle bells or something going on. I don't know. Anyhow, let me read you that verse once again. And it says, For all have sinned and all fall short of God's glorious standard. And sin brought the curse. Mosquitoes and ticks. And you think about all the other kind of crazy things, you know, poison ivy and weeds and you name it. All of that came when Adam and Eve first sinned. There was not a thorn on the planet. Until, and that's why Jesus took the crown of thorns. He was praying for our sin. And that was one of the symbols of sin is the thorns. And he had a crown of thorns placed upon his head and beaten down upon him, you see. But Jesus, he came to set us free. But we live in a fallen world. That's why bad things happen in this world. Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it says, For the wages of sin... The wages of sin, and that's talking about Adam and Eve's sin that has been passed on to us. We've got the disease that they had called sin. It says the wages of sin is death. And that's why bad things happen to what we so-called, you know, good people. Now, are there some good people in this world? Yes. You're yes? No? Well, let's just read a verse together if we could. You know, I think the, answer, the best answers are found right here. In Romans chapter 3, verse 10, let's read it out loud together if we could. As the scriptures say, no one is good, not even one. I ask people, hey, would you like something to, to eat or drink? No, I'm good. And the Bible says none's good. No, not even one. Now, there are some people who are not as bad as others. We do know that. But we all have been influenced and infected, if you would, with sin. It's a disease. You know, it's been passed from generation to generation. That's why Christ came. And the sinless Christ, he could go to the cross and take our place because he was sinless, you see. And he paid for our sins with his own life. Uh Think about this for a moment. A believer who really trusts in Jesus and something bad happens, what would change their perspective of things? You know one of my favorite verses? I don't know if you know it or not. That's it. And it says, and we know that all things work together for good for those who love the Lord and are called to his purpose. So even though it seems to be bad, when we love Jesus, he says he's going to turn that thing around and work it together for good. So we're going, why? Because we live in a fallen world. You know, if, if you go to certain climates and you go, why am I being eaten up by mosquitoes? Because mosquitoes are here. You know, just because you're not as bad as somebody else, I mean, the mosquitoes are going to leave you alone, you know. So why do bad things happen? Because we live in a fallen and a sinful world. But I tell you, coming to know Jesus, it surely helps. He'll turn things around for us. John 16, verse 33 says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me in relationship with him. Jesus said that. He says, here on earth, you will have peace. Many, what's that say? Trials and sorrows. Because of sin. Because we live in a fallen world where, where sin has run rapid and it controls things. Jesus came and paid for our sins. But we're not walking in the fullness of that as of yet. So we say, well, why? Because we live in a fallen world. Not because of your sin necessarily, just because we live in a sinful, fallen world since Adam and Eve. But Christ came to fix that for us. And the whole process is still unfolding to us right now. But he says here, here on earth, you will have, what's the next word? Many trials. 
How many of you have ever had a trial or a sorrow? It's true, is it not? He says, here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart. Other translation says, take courage, because I've overcome the world. And I'm going to be right there with you, and I'm going to help you. Jesus, I came here to overcome the world, and we know he gave his lifeblood to help us. It says in the book of Acts, chapter 14, verse 22, it says, we must, through much tribulation, that's talking about trials and sorrows, we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. That's just kind of like if a baby, if he could tell you, if you understood it, said, you know this birthing thing coming from Mama, through the birthing canal out in this world, that wasn't no fun. That was a lot of hard work. They talk about how hard it is on Mama and Daddy, but it's tough on me, you know, to come into this world. And, and there is some issues. As the scripture says, we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. There is an ancient method of threshing grain that the Romans figured out. And what they would do, they'd have a farmer going along fluffing up all the, the sheaves of wheat, you know, kind of separating them and all. And then they had this crude cart. And uh, a guy would get in the cart and it would be pulled around over all that, but it didn't have wheels on it. It had these long rollers that had embedded pieces of sharp steel in the bottom of these rollers. And it would be pulled over all the, uh, the wheat, the grain that was all thrown out in front of it there. And it, it would separate with these sharp pieces of steel and all, it would separate the grain from the husk. And it's better to eat the grain that once it's taken out of the husk and off of all the straw and all, right? And uh, that crude um, piece of machinery was called a tribulum. And that's where we get the word tribulation. Now, it looked to the grain, oh, ouch, ooh, ee, ah. But it was a good thing, was it not? It was separating the grain from the husk. So the grain was a lot more profitable, a lot more beneficial. Now, there is no oil, if you think about it, without the squeezing of olives. And there is no juice without the pressing of grapes. And there is no fragrance without the crushing of flowers. And there's no real joy without some sorrow. From a biblical perspective, these things go together. If you go like, well, I, I can see that squeezing the olives is a good thing. Pressing the grapes is a good thing. Crushing the flowers is a good thing. It's hard to see any sorrow there, you know, producing anything good. But the Bible says it does. Now, let me see if I can begin this uh, looking for some stuff. Does anybody know what this is? This represents you. <laughs> now, if you take one of these here and you squeeze it, what's going to come out of it? I think you're saying whatever is in it, right? If, if it's full of water, if it's soaked up water, you squeeze it, water's going to come out. If it soaked up milk, you squeeze it, milk is going to come out, right? Whatever it is that this was exposed to, it's just going to soak it up. And so whatever is in here, when you squeeze it, it's going to come out. So when you are under stress and pressure and squeezing, what comes out of you? I can tell you what comes out of you. Whatever is in you. Right? Now, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, there have been times I've genuinely hit my thumb with a hammer, not on purpose, but when I was dropping a nail. And you know what I said? <laughs> Jesus, please heal me. Now, when I was a young teenager, some people I, I hung around with, I, I learned to be profane as they were. And if I got hurt, I said things that were not good. But I'm going to be honest with you, that ain't in me no more. I can't say those things when I get hurt because it's not there. Does that make sense? Yes. So what is in you when you're under pressure and you're under stress, 
Whatever comes out, that's what's there. The Bible says out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. And the pressure brings it out in a true form. That's why, you know, as we were just talking about squeezing an olive, it brings out the juice. You know, the oil or the, of the pressing of the grape brings out the juice and so forth and, and so on. Um, there was a very successful Chicago lawyer. I'm sure most of you have heard of him. His name is Horatio Spofford. And he lost most of his wealth in the financial crisis of the 1800s, 1873, I think it was. And after his terrible loss, he sent his wife and four daughters on a trip to France. But on their way, their ship was struck by another ship. And their ship had 225 people on it, and only 87 of the people survived the crash that was there. Mrs. Spofford was among the survivors, but her four daughters died. As soon as she reached land, she telegraphed her husband, saved alone, children lost. What shall I do? Spafford left for France immediately to join his wife and returned to Chicago. And in the depth of his bereavement and despair, he wrote, the only song he ever wrote, it was a hymn. And he was inspired as they passed over the exact location where his daughters went down with the ship. He was inspired and he wrote a song. It's a hymn that has become an old favorite to the Christian community. And this is the way it goes. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, Whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well. It is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul, with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. Here is a guy who has lost the most valuable things he has, four daughters. How can he possibly say, it is well with my soul? Why didn't he just sing a song about why, God? Why? We live in a fallen world. And sin still runs rampant in this old world. And confusion and chaos and all those things that have to do with killing, stealing, and destroying. Because of this fallen world in which we live. But he knew something. He knew something bigger and beyond that. And God has used that adversity in his life. And he penned a song. Now his daughters are with Jesus, you know. But he penned a song that has comforted and inspired millions and millions of people since that particular time. God can turn things around and work them for great good. He genuinely can. You know, uh, Corey Ten Boom, she made a comment years ago, and she says, if God sends us on stony paths, he provides strong shoes. Now, you know what? I usually, I think I have them here. I usually wear these shoes here. This is my common everyday, grubby, dirty shoes. I usually preach in these shoes, to be honest with you. I'll wipe them off just a wee bit, you know. Whoops. <laughs> Fell on the floor, didn't it? But these have got great tread on them. But, and I hike in them a little bit. But when I get ready to go up on my mountain, I wear these. I've had them for years. And they've they got ankle support. So when you're stepping through the rocks, you're not hurting your ankles and all. You're not twisting them. Keeps them strong. It's got pretty good cleats on the bottom of it. It grabs a hold. And if it's misty rain or even foggy in the evening times, the rocks get a little damp and they're slippery, but this grabs a hold to them. You know, if these was made for going to the kind of places that I go. Anyhow, I understand that based upon this, that when Corey said, if God sends us on stony paths that you could fall and you could get hurt on, she says he provides strong shoes. And I understand that concept. 
It doesn't mean that you can't go. This is horrible. No, he provides us with the armor, with the equipment we need to get the job done. You remember a fellow by the name of Job? You ever read the book of Job? You get your little box of tissues and you read about Job and all the Murphy's Law that happened there. Everything could go wrong for Job. It went wrong. His wife was there. Job, just curse God and die. That's actually what she told him to do. He said, how can you act like a godless woman? How do you, how do, you do that? He worshiped God through all the difficulties that he had because he understood Almighty God. But let me read you one of the last verses in the chapter uh, in the book of Job. And it says in Job chapter 42, verse 10, it says, The Lord restored his, Job's fortunes. In fact, the Lord gave him, Job, twice as much as before. And you know why I did that? God was not tempting Job. God never tempts a man or a woman to sin. Never. That's not God. Ever. God tests us, but he does not tempt us. Why would we ever be tested? We're tested so we can be advanced to a higher class. We're tested so we can show what we know so we can get a better job. A test is to advance us. Temptation is to destroy us. We need to understand the difference between those two things there. You know, down south many years ago, does anybody know what the number one crop and product of the south was? Cotton. And, and that's how they made their money, and they were, they were wealthy. And then back in 1910, the old boll weevil found his way down south, and the boll weevil would, it was a, a big, hard, green little pod there on the cotton plant, about half the size of my hand, and a boll weevil would burrow a hole in there and eat all he wanted and lay his eggs in there, and his family was raised in there, and then they would grow, and they would destroy the cotton crop I mean, in the South failed, you know. But then there was a, uh, see, what was the name of the town? Enterprise, Alabama. The growers of cotton and all those who lived in that area, they erected this awesome monument to the bow weevil. Because of the bow weevil, they began to discover other crops that they could grow, which the number one crop, money crop, was what? Peanuts. How many of y'all like, and we, we eat boiled peanuts. We just had a couple of gallons of them the other day. They were awesome. Roasted peanuts. How many of y'all eat peanut butter? Fine candy and ice cream and everything's got peanut butter in it, you know. I know some people are allergic to it. But the South were phenomenally more wealthy by growing peanuts and a few other items than they ever were with just growing cotton. Although it was tragic, it seemed. Things is not always the way it seems. Well, why did that have to happen? Why? The bow evil. Well, the whole thing was advanced. People's wealth was increased because of that old bow evil. In every tragedy, you can look at what you have lost and be hateful. Or you can look at what you have left and be grateful. What do you do? Now, this time, do I have some ushers out there who help me? Yes? I got some I want to give you. The ushers, if y'all can just bring that toward the front. I got a gift for everybody. I want y'all to take this home with you. You know, let me see. Okay. Come on, make your way up here and work back. That way everybody can see what's going on and you can pass them out to everybody. Come on. We got a lemon for you. Hey, Jose, can I have one of those? I thought you was throwing two at the same time. Oh. I just wanted to help y'all. Anybody in the balcony need a lemon? Y'all look fuzzy. I, I would probably knock somebody out if I threw it. So that'll get you in a, a moment. Yeah. Have you ever had a car that you referred to as a lemon? You know? 
Well, I'm not going to ask you if you ever had a relationship that was like a lemon, but there's things in life that we would refer to as a lemon. Now, if you don't have a lemon yet, raise your hand. Wait, sure everybody gets one. You got to have one of these. It's really important. You didn't have one yet? Can you catch it, John? Oh, you're as bad as me, John. Here you go, Betty. There you go. An awesome team. Jose, I gave away my lemons. I need another lemon. Can you throw it? I don't have all my glasses. <laughs> well, one out, of, one out of two is not too bad. <laughs> uh, okay, let me put my microphone back on. It keeps falling off there. Oh, right. Now, you understand we've, we've used this term quite often, you know. When life sends you a lemon, you know, what are you going to do with it? Think about this, though. A lot of people, when they have a lemon circumstance in their life, they become very sour. You know? Now, you could just eat it, you know? I'll get it down in just a minute. <laughs> ah. I would recommend not to do that. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. When life gives you a lemon, don't eat it, okay? <laughs> makes you sour. You ever heard people say, you know, something bad happens, you can either become better or bitter? It's the same concept here, you know? You have the choice of becoming sour. Do you know some sour people in your life? And, and they probably have had a lemon, and they didn't know what to do with it. They didn't understand. They may have said why, but they never really understand. We live in a fallen world, and that's just what happens. They didn't understand how to really give that over to Jesus. So if you have a choice, when life gives you a lemon, you know, my lips are just a burning. Woo-hoo. Wow. <laughs> but when life gives you a lemon, there's something better you can do with it, right? Yeah, well, you got to do this to make lemonade, right? Oh, you have lemonade? Oh, you have coffee. Oh, okay, thank you. I ain't done yet. I'm going to wash the taste out of my mouth, though, right here. Oh! Ah. Oh, man. Don't try that at home either. Unless you're a trained professional. It's my glasses right there beside it. Let's see. Anybody want another lemon? Slightly used. Okay, all right. Good idea. <laughs> Dilute that stuff down. Y'all help me figure out how much. There? What? <laughs> Yeah, you can come and sweeten it for me, dear. What the heck with that? Mm-hmm. 
Well, it's a good thing I got on these boots. It's getting slippery up here. deeper you go, the better it gets. <laughs> oh, seeds. <laughs> that last one was delicious. Oh, so. I just wanted you to know how to make lemonade, okay? So when life gives you a lemon, make lemonade out of it. Because if you don't, it will sour you. You'll be an old sour puss and people will recognize it. You're always grumpy, always complaining about something. Just all sour all the time. And there are lemons in life, are there not? We live in a fallen world. There's difficulties that are going to come to us. There was a fellow, his name was Charles Goodyear. And his lemon came to him because of, he violated some issues while he was in a court situation. And they got him for contempt of court. And he spent a term or two in prison. Charles Goodyear was his name. And while he was in prison, he got a little temporary job, you know, as the prisoners often do, in the kitchen. <coughs> and through that, he got a connection to do some little experimentation on some things, and he figured out how to vulcanize rubber. Now, I don't know if you remember Goodyear, but he is the one who has that big thing blimp that floats around the nation there, and he's made awesome tires that has made it safe for us to drive at high speeds down the interstate and keep us safe and all that. So his lemon in life turned around for a great good and became his business, and it has impacted all the other tire makers because of what he learned dealing with his lemon. He made lemonade out of it. He genuinely did. So it's important that we do the same Listen to what it says here in the book of James, chapter 1, verse 2. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, my beard is all sticky, you know. Ah. <laughs> Dear brothers and sisters, whenever, would you say whenever? whenever? He didn't say if, but he said, Dear brothers and sisters, whenever trouble comes your way, let it be an opportunity to cuss. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, I'm sorry, I misread that. He says, dear brothers and sisters, whenever it's going to happen, whenever trouble comes your way, let it be an opportunity for what? For joy. And if you'll read that in the original language, it means to have a party. When trouble comes your way, let it be an opportunity for joy. Let it be an opportunity when you're having trouble to throw a party and make sure you serve lemonade at it while you're there. Verse 3 goes on to say, For when your faith is tested, this is only a test. This is only a test. When your faith is tested, your endurance, your stamina has a chance to grow. When your faith is being tested, has your faith ever been tested? Mm, your endurance has a chance to grow. And this is a good thing, you know. You know, God tests us to bring out the best in us. A test in school is to advance you, to promote you. And he says, when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Verse 4 says, so let it grow. For when your endurance, when your endurance is fully developed... I'm talking about that staying power. You don't quit. You don't give in. You don't throw in the towel. He says, so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be strong in character. 
And God is a whole lot more in, interested, excuse me, in your character than he is your comfort. He wants our character to be much like that of Christ. So he says here, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be strong in character. And would you read the next three words with me? And ready for anything. When your endurance has had a chance to grow, he says, let it grow. And when your endurance is fully developed, he says, you'll be strong in character and you'll be ready for anything that the enemy of our soul will throw at us. And God will turn that all around and he'll work it together for good. We live in a fallen world, but some are beginning to learn how to tap into the principles of another kingdom. And they allow the other king, his name is Jesus, to rule and reign in your life here. And it genuinely changes things. There was a lumberman I was reading about. And uh, he was in this river. And all these massive logs were floating down the river to the mill. And every once in a while, he had this long pole with a big hook on it. And he'd reach out and pull one of the logs. And he'd pull it into this little uh, eddy over here, a little uh, pool that was... Uh, it wasn't flowing much, and he would contain them over there. And someone asked him, why, why are you grabbing certain logs out of the river and pulling them over there? He said, oh, most of those logs that are coming down, they're just good for, you know, cutting lumber. He says, and, and they grew up here in the valley. He said, but there's a few of those logs that came from the mountaintop, and their grain is fine. And, and the grain of, of that is what they would make very special orders. That was custom work. Oh, it's so much more valuable of lumber. And we would pull those aside for custom work. You know, you'd never let those go down and just become lumber. They were fine pieces of uh, workmanship. You know, fine trees with this fine grain. And I was thinking about that. And how does this relate to you and me? Are we displaying the fine grain? If, even though the mountaintop ones have been battered with storms and winds and, and snows and all. They had been battered, but their, their grain grew tight and made them so much more valuable. And are you and I displaying this fine grain that the master would pull aside and say, got some custom work for you, something really special for you. Although the difficulties you would think are terrible, but it makes us so much more valuable. I want to read something to you. This is the Apostle Paul. Pretty amazing. This is uh, an amazing what he tells us and what he teaches us. Now, I am a man of faith. I believe everything the Bible says, and I do believe the best is yet to come. But I understand there are difficulties, there are troubles, and there are trials and sorrows that come into our life. The Bible says they will. But we still rise up victorious with our Savior for what he's done for us. But I want you to listen to one of the greatest apostles of all time, Paul. And listen to what he says. He says in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three, he says, they say they serve Christ. I know I sound like a madman, but I serve him far more. This is the apostle Paul. <clears throat> I serve him far more. One of those lemon seeds is kind of stuck back in there somewhere. It's going to work together for good. I'm sure here directly. He says, I have worked harder, been put in jail more often for preaching the gospel, been whipped times without number. I faced death again and again. Five different times the Jews gave me 39 lashes. Each lash had nine pieces of leather with a bone and lead and all attached to the, the thing. And every time they whipped a guy, 40 times they died. So they would whip him 39. And he says here in verse 24, five different times the Jews gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I have traveled many weary miles. I have faced danger from flooded rivers and from robbers. I have faced dangers from my own people the Jews as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the stormy seas. And I have faced danger from men who claim to be Christians but are not. 
I have lived with weariness and pain and sleepless nights. Often I have been hungry and thirsty and have gone without food. Often I have shivered with cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. And then beside all this, I have the daily burden of how the churches are getting along. Who is weak without my feeling that weakness? Who is led astray and I do not burn with anger? If I must boast, I would rather boast about the things that show how weak I am. Here's a man who understands difficulty, don't you think? Here's a man who understands. I know that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And this man, he understood it. It was alive and working in him. He wasn't saying why, why, why. He understood we live in a fallen world. And he was privileged to have a relationship with Christ and to Christ to be alongside him and help him through every difficulty. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, it says, Jesus said, he said, my gracious favor is all you need. My power works best in your weakness. So now, Paul said, so now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may work through me. Since I know it is all for Christ's good, I'm quite content with my weakness and with insults and hardships and persecution and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Philippians chapter 1 verse 12 says, Now I want you to know, Paul says, Brothers, that what has happened to me, spent a lot of time in prison, and we are so thrilled that he did, because God was revealing things to him, inspiring him, to send the gospel to the other churches and tell them. But he was so involved being shipwrecked and beat up and whipped and all this kinds of stuff, he didn't have time to put it down. And then he, he went to a little resort called a prison cell, and most of our New Testament was written from there. The, the part that Paul, uh, he finally slowed down enough to hear the word inspiration. It means God breathed. He was inspired. God showed him what to put down so you and I would have it later on in life. Philippians 1.12 says, Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me this prison time has really served to advance the gospel. Bless you. Really has served to advance the gospel. God's ways are higher than ours. That's not the way we would choose to do it, but that's the way God chose to do it. Verse 14, he says, Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged. You know, to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly because they see what I've done. And I'm leading off these Roman uh, soldiers to Christ and leading people to Christ. And they're no longer fearful of what might happen to them. And they're speaking up. And he says, you know, this has really advanced the gospel. Second Corinthians chapter 4 verse 8 says, we are pressed you understand that pressing, you know, we were talking about with the, the grapes and all? We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed and broken. We are perplexed, which just means that we just really don't know what to do. We are perplexed, but we don't give up and quit. Remember, there's no oil without the squeezing. There's no juice without the pressing. There's no fragrance without the crushing, you know. But he says, but we don't give up and quit. Verse 9 says, we're hunted down, but we never are abandoned. We get knocked down, but they never got knocked out. We get knocked down, but we get up again, and we keep going. Through suffering, these bodies of ours constantly share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. The life of Christ, everything's peachy and perfect. Oh, yeah. You never have a problem. No wonder you can live for God. But we live in the real world. We have problems. Oh, no. Let me tell you. Somebody watches how you deal with your problems and you draw them to the Savior. Have you ever been hurt with unkind words? Probably just about everybody has. Have you ever been falsely accused? That hurts pretty much, too. Have you ever worked hard and didn't receive any appreciation for it, you know? You thought that someone would say thank you along the way, you know? Have you ever had your ideas that were rejected? 
You know what this is? It says oysters. I spilled them in the last service. You know, if you're a Boy Scout, learn to be prepared. <laughs> I was never a Boy Scout, though. Where we lived, they didn't have them. I try as often as I can because I don't eat on the days I preach. So I try to incorporate eating during the sermon. Pretty strong. Mm. Mm. I should make me some more lemonade. Mm. Mm. Oh, thank you for the coffee. One lady told me when I asked what should she do with her lemon, she said, Make lemon cake. I'm going like, as long as it's gluten-free, I think that's a good idea, you know? Oh, lemonade and lemon cake, that would be great. Well, think about this for just a moment. All these times where you were hurt by somebody being unkind, no appreciation, all these things that hurt you, people do them accidentally sometimes, intentionally. But I want to challenge you, when you're hurt and you're wounded, I want to challenge you to cover it. Cover it with a layer of love and another layer of love and another layer of love and a layer of forgiveness and grow a pearl. You know, Jesus is even referred to as a pearl of great price. And you know what? He was wounded, was he not? Terribly was he wounded. And I do remember as he hung on that cross, he said, Father, Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And you know what? When an oyster is wounded with a sharp piece of sand, it gets under his skin there. And if he can cover it with a layer and another layer and another layer and another layer, he's making this thing that's so valuable. We call them pearls. And people treasure them. And there are pearls that are just absolutely gorgeous. And people put them and make necklaces of them and all. And they're, they're so valuable. A lot of people just make fake ones because they, they want pearls so bad because the real ones are really highly valuable. And see, when you and I have been wounded, if we'll cover that wound with a layer of love and forgiveness and love and forgiveness and, and, and that pain, if you don't cover it, all oysters are good for, if they're not making pearls, is just to eat. Smoked oysters, oyster stew, oysters on the half shell. But they're not nearly as valuable as the ones that have those beautiful, magnificent pearls in them. And the wounds that you have inside, and people have inflicted you, and they've hurt you, and you've experienced troubles and difficulties, and you can become bitter or better. You can become sour, or you can make lemonade out of it. When that wound has happened, and if you'll just layer after layer after layer of love and forgiveness, Christ is being, you know, 
formed in you, that pearl of great price, something of great value, just like that log that was so valuable because it grew on the mountains. I'm telling you, God has a reason, and he has never abandoned you. He says he'll never leave you, and he'll never forsake you. He's crazy about you. So just remember, you have that choice. Be sour the rest of your life. We know people like that. Or just make some lemonade and rejoice in the midst of it, as he tells us. If we had time, we would go into all the other passages that talked about this is just for a little while, but it will pass. These difficulties that come our way. But let us learn to act like Christ in the midst of it. Oh, we have so much more we'd like to say, but our time is up. So would you bow your heads with me? Father, we come to you in the name of your son, Jesus, the name of every other name. We thank you, Father, for sending your son. We thank you for giving us your truths and your principles and teaching us your ways. And Lord, though we don't naturally gravitate to your ways, we want to learn them and we want to apply them in our own life. Yes, we do. Help us, almighty God, to do that very thing. Bless the men and the women in this service, and those watching online in the balcony, in the cafe, and all those who will ever hear this or see it in any form, we ask that you would enrich us and give us a clue to the secrets of the why, that we'll become your special choice vessels that you can use, that Christ is being formed in us, that pearl of great price. Lord, cause these men and women here, Lord, to uh, radiate your love and your presence and choose the lemonade instead of just becoming sour. Help us, Father. Help us to grasp the truths that you show us in your word, and may we become one with them. As our heads are bowed, I would ask you, if you would, to join me in a simple prayer, to reaffirm your faith in Christ or to declare your faith in Christ, maybe for the very first time. Would you pray with me right now? Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. And I believe you've got great plans for my future. I believe you turn bad things around and work them together for good. I thank you for sending your son Jesus. I believe he died on a cross and paid for all my sins. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead and is knocking at the door of my heart. I open wide that door and I welcome Jesus Christ into my life as my Savior, as my Lord, and as my King. In Jesus' name. Amen.